Good morning. It is an honor for us to be here. The day has finally got here. Uh, didn't think it could get here soon enough for this weekend. And we are so grateful to lean into what the Spirit will speak to us and in the future of Calvary. And we are just honored. In fact, I know, uh, man, I, Henry did a phenomenal job with the videos of introducing uh, our family and stuff, but we still want to take some time and uh, just so you, I mean, what was nice, you finally saw a family picture and give you a, even a few more details of our family. Well, this is our family. First of all, I'm Stacy. It's great to be with you this morning. So, um, this is our family and we're excited to introduce them to you on your, I always get this, I have to go backwards. So on your right is our youngest son. Um, Garrett, and his wife, Paige, she's my first daughter, and I'm just saying, I like to spoil her more than the boys, so I love her, she's my daughter in love, and that is Garrett and Paige, and they actually are in ministry in Springfield, Missouri at Life 360 Church. Uh, Garrett is the young adults pastor. He serves life group pastor. He's the assimilation pastor. So anything from the parking lot to new believers is under his leadership. And we're super proud of them. And actually tomorrow, Paige begins her career as a physical therapist in a local hospital. And I'm just saying, um, in our old age... She's the one I'm counting on, okay? <laughs> the boys are great, um, but she's the one who's going to take care of us, and we already know that. So um, on the left is our oldest son, Grant. He actually is residing in Alexandria, Virginia. So he works um, private security, contracted security for the State Department, what that entails, I cannot tell you. It's top secret. He'd kill us. He won't tell us anything, honestly. He won't tell us anything. I feel really embarrassed. Like, people are like, who does he work for? I don't know. I don't know who he works for. Anyway, it's all top secret stuff. So he likes it that way. Um, he is turning 28 this week. I know. You're all surprised I'm old enough to have a 28-year-old. But there, I just let the bag out. I'm at least that old. So um, he is a great young man, and um, we are praying for a wonderful, godly woman to influence his life. So just join us with that, because he needs that influence. All right, so, and um, that's Kent and I in the middle. So, okay, so I always forget the next one. You can do the next slide. All right. That's Oliver. And um, we all had COVID decisions, and this one was ours. All right. So when you all got house projects done and other great things, I potty trained a dog. That's what I did. My goal was to not gain weight and to potty train a dog. So that's what we did. That's Oliver. He is actually with us this weekend. He is just the best little pup and the best 15-year decision we made in that season of life. So 
is that the end of our pictures? All right. Well, I'm excited to be here with you as well this weekend. Man, the expectancy and the presence of the Lord here is wonderful. And I just love being able to join family. So we might not have met yet, but I know we're family because we're all part of the family of God. And so I just look forward to the opportunity. Um, I think what Kent and I want to do is to love God and to love people well. So there may be times we fail at that um, in our humanness, but that's our goal. Our goal is to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our body, and to take that same love and love people, people that are here and people that are yet to enter. And so we are excited about what God has next, not only for Calvary, but what God has next for us. So. We are excited to be here today. Um, it's a journey, because I can sit there, and just as we were worshiping, I'm reflecting back on just different transitions as we were worshiping. I can remember one of the, the hardest day in life was the day I lost my dad. Be 30 years ago this December. The second hardest was looking at our youth group in Racine, Wisconsin, and to let them know we were leaving them. The Lord had been doing such a deep work. Stacy and I, nine months prior, had gone to just this little thing in Brownsville, uh, Pensacola, Florida, at Brownsville Assembly, just this little thing. And the Lord just began to do a deep work in that, in our hearts through that revival. And what was puzzling over those months was we knew God was brewing something different. He started wrestling our nest. And, uh, and as we processed that change, we knew God was moving and we knew revival was a part of it. We knew somehow missions began to become a part of it. And... Then I can still remember our pastor in Racine at the time, Ron Held, approached us. In fact, uh, you got familiar with the person that was the associate pastor at the time. His name's Steve Nickel. Steve has, had come and helped you as a church in this past season. And Steve was our associate pastor. And uh, right in, this, in the midst of this, he announced his resignation to go plant a church in Kimberly, Wisconsin. And... Um, and so in that moment, in those moments, I can, uh, wow, what a flush. Um, in that whirlwind, Pastor Ron approached us to, about stepping into that role as an associate pastor. And literally, we didn't even have to pray about it more than a day. It was like we knew as we began to pray about it, youth still entered the equation. And so that was puzzling. So this is going to be about revival. It's about... Uh, missions, and it involves teenagers. And not too much longer, Larry Levy called and let us know about some changes here in our district and in Wisconsin, Northern Michigan, and invited us to become the Youth Alive Missionaries for Wisconsin, Northern Michigan. And we've done that for 11 years. And then in 2008, we stepped into a national role with Youth Alive. And honestly, have loved every minute. And yet... Uh, 18 months ago, 
God began to stir our nest again. And we can go back to the day that we had a conversation in our uh, family room, which you got to see on the videos. So the backdrop was our fireplace. We're in that room. And the Lord just began to speak clearly to both of us at the same time that that season is coming to a close. And anytime you're my age in youth ministry and people constantly, almost every church I would go to, eventually, probably at lunch with the pastor, hey, how much longer are you going to be doing this? <laughs> Always going to get it. And it's like, well, till God calls us to something else. I mean, there was part several years ago, remember doing our master's degree, because I'm sitting there going, maybe that might help. That study doing a master's degree might just provide just a little bit of a hint. And honestly, it didn't. It just, I could just see how God was helping me to do my job better, our role. And yet on that day, March 29th of last year, wow, we both knew it's done. Then we're going, well, what could it possibly be? What's the next next? That's the million-dollar question. And anything else we'd explore, we had friends that are high executive officers with Convoy of Hope. That's right in Springfield. Uh, so even when we looked around, we almost couldn't consider it because the moment we bring it up, it's like in the season that we've been in, in our national role, it's... It's great for the person that works within the, the national office and the headquarters, but for the spouse, it's actually very disconnecting. Like for Stacy to come visit me at the office, and there's reasons for it, it's all good. She has to check through security, um, has to be escorted to my office. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, that's just a real form of endearment, isn't it? Um, come see me, honey. Yeah, right. Um, at least she doesn't have to metal detector, take her shoes off. You know, it's not that. But, um, but we knew as we were processing this journey is immediately the thing that we landed on was to serve together. And it, it just drew us right back to the local church to pastor and to be lead pastors together. And dream of how do we do church together? How do we lead together to do ministry together? It's one of the things that we enjoyed about youth pastoring and our time in Racine and all the other churches before. And so the journey began. And we're here today. So we got acquainted with your board. Um, honestly, we were at a point in May. We, our... It's one of those. We can, make, we can make our plans, but God orders your steps. We are starting to make our plans. Well, hey, where do we want to go? We're empty nesters. We get to pick where we want to go, right? <laughs> God, God has a definitely good sense of humor. Yeah, go ahead. Go look south. And, um, and so as we did, it's just been amazing watching God steer and direct us. And when we met with your board on the first interview on Zoom, I, I mean, I literally days before, I mean, before we had that scheduled, Stacy and I had had conversations, and she knew I felt like, you know, I, I, I think God's probably closed the door for us to go back to Wisconsin, Northern Michigan, which was kind of sad because Pastor John Davis, our superintendent, has been such a great 
resource for us of encouragement, uh, prayer. Um, uh, we're deeply indebted because he helped a steward our spirit, our faith in a healthy way. And uh, indebted to a number of people for that. And it's amazing how you go through seasons and it's real easy to let the circumstances dictate and you start telling your own self-defeating stories that discourage you, rob you of your faith, confidence in God, and that's where you need strong people in your life. That's why the church needs to be the church. And uh, when we got off the interview with your board, I'm just telling you, we had to sit there and go, okay, that shocked me. I mean, we were, our heads were turned, just the honesty, the transparency, everything that they spoke to us. Wow. Then when we did our in-person interview, which was right before the 4th of July, and uh, man, I just, so we drove out of town. Some of the dreams that the Lord has birthed in our hearts for this next season, I just told Stace, I'm like, as we're, we hadn't even made it past your uh, nursery that's just uh, south of town, out on 41, and hadn't even made it that far, and I said, Stacy, my first words were, we need that board. But then, just to protect our hearts, I quickly, <clears throat> you know, a board like that. <laughs> but really, I can reflect back. In fact, I texted it to John Davis a couple days later and went, you know, this board's captured our hearts. You're indebted to have leaders that you do. The willingness to lead and even at times to be misunderstood is not easy. And they've done it with grace and strength. And they won our hearts. And so that leads us today. Because since the moment that they called to invite us to come, the Lord has been very certain to us. Every step of the way, we are here today more than leaning in. There's a confidence that we feel like the Lord has spoken to us. And, and so in many ways, in our national role, when we show up as a missionary to speak on a Sunday morning, there's often points we know that that opportunity to speak may not always be for us. And, but yet God gives us a word for that church. And so in that same humility... I will say to you today, I feel like I have a word for you as a church. But there's also a confidence that it feels like, it, well, I, I will just tell you, it pertains to the next next for you. A part of the events of today. And so I pray that you will lean in expectantly. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. I want us to one of the things that I love to do, uh, and Stacy and I are huge believers, uh, man, we are huge on this, is we love to preach, teach, expository messages. And so if you're not familiar with what expository would be compared to other sermons you might have heard, is it really builds the base of your message comes from a certain passage or verse, 
And then we bring other verses of the scripture to see how it complements that passage that we happen to read today. So that way you see from one passage how the whole of God's word speaks to that. And we love to do this when you're going through books of the Bible. Our church that we've attended in Springfield, it's been so rich, uh, it's, it, we're warped. <laughs> and so that we were warped from their experience. And so if things go well, unfortunately, that means you're going to get warped this way too. But it's in a good way. That God would let his word be strong. And so out of Acts chapter 4, we're going to look, start off in verse 23. So if you'll turn with me in your Bible there, we will look at it today. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 30 is what we'll start off with. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the, lo- what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O oh, sovereign God, O oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will take the remaining moments of this service Would you speak to our hearts, speak to our faith, illuminate your word to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Four characteristics. I want to share with you a message this morning. Four characteristics of a church that God blesses. So in sharing this message this morning, not only do I want to pull out four aspects of a church that God loves to bless, but as you confirm a call, These are some initial guideposts that I would say, here's where we will go. By faith, in Jesus. And even beyond that, you're next next for Calvary. To be marked as a church that God blesses and he has blessed you immensely. But in the future, the blessing that he wants to do is immense. And I'll just start right off first before going to the first point, is just to let you know God loves to bless. It's his nature. It's his character. And sometimes, some pastors, you know, and this is part, I don't know your history on this, some pastors love to skirt away from saying about blessing on an individual level, on a church level, just because of others that have taken it in a prosperity message and, and taken it way beyond to an extreme. But you can't lose the principle and the character of who God is in this. Because God wants to do, yes, he can make you prosperous. So you can't discount that part. 
But he, when he blesses, it is much more, way more than just monetary. When we talk about God blessing, it's putting his hand, his presence, his anointing upon you for a purpose and a plan. It's him setting on you a unique favor. None of us love to be in a game of favorites when we're not the favorite, right? You know, when it feels like someone else is just getting, you know, favoritism, you just kind of want to go, uh, hello, I'm here. And this is the great thing about our God is he loves to bless every person. We have a God that does not play favorites. And so in setting that, four characteristics of a God that he loves to set his hand, which really starts to typify his presence, his involvement in our life, his power, his desire to move and flow in your life in deeper measures, four characteristics that, of a church that God blesses. Look at it. So first off, it's a God blesses a church that prays. And we see it right off the bat. Uh, in verses 23 through 24, because you're going to notice there's several things in this passage. There's four things that this church did to pray, and you see it in this passage. Look at the first one, uh, because when a church begins to pray, God blesses them. The church prays together. Verse 23 through 24, or 24, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Something I want to just, by quick giving you a quick introduction to where this passage hits, Peter and John were going to a temple. You'll see it in the chapter previous, in chapter 3. They're going to a temple. They're going up to pray, as they commonly did. And as they do, a man over 40 years old, who has been lame since birth, since birth, is at a gate begging for people to help because he was using money, donations, offerings that people would give him as a way of living. Peter and John had no money, and they tell him that. Look, silver and gold, we don't have. But what I do have, I'll give to you in the name of Jesus. In Scripture accounts, Peter reaches down, pulls that lame up, saying, in Jesus' name, be healed. Pulls him up by the hand, so here's a person that's never walked. So think of a toddler. If you've ever watched a young person, try a young kid taking the first steps. At this point, this lame man's never walked. But God immediately, as Peter lifts him up, his knees, his ankles are stiffened, are strengthened, and he not only walks, he's leaping and dancing around. So let's face that. If we had that happen in downtown Marinette, if we had this happen at the, at the Bandshell, you know, downtown Menominee, right on the lakefront, so beautiful, gorgeous. We were there yesterday staring at it, going, gorgeous. Um, it would cause a little bit of a stir. Do you think we wouldn't have some TV cameras coming around? Uh, yeah, you would. And so it did cause a commotion, so much so that Peter and John are arrested because the Jews are freaking out because they're seeing people respond, coming to know Jesus, and are radically saved, transformed, and now healed. And it's, it, it's a little unnerving for the Jews who uh, th think they have life all figured out. And they are scared. 
So they literally put them, put Peter and John into, uh, in fact, what was so powerful is they continued to preach about Jesus being crucified. And on that day, after this man was healed, 5,000 men came to Christ. And that's not just talking, that's just men. It doesn't even accord the men and the children, young people that were in the crowd that came to Christ. But the Jewish ruling council brought him into a court, interrogated him, and essentially they got freed. But were incredibly, how do I say it, deeply encouraged not to keep preaching anymore. And so that's kind of where we pick up the story is they're celebrating going, look at what God did. Even in the midst of their interrogation, we found God somehow brought a favor. And so it didn't discourage them. It only propelled them onward. But see, that's the power of prayer. When we begin to pray together, because the church began to pray for Peter and John in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that moments that they were imprisoned, they prayed together for God's will, God's power to be done. And so when we begin to pray and capture on as a church, and that's one of the things that has drawn us to you, was seeing the deep passion for prayer, for revival. One of the dreams that God had put in our heart, we're seeing a groundswell of different, I really feel like it's groundswell for an awakening, which is much deeper than a revival. Revival is for the church. You're reviving something that's dead back to life. We need something much more than that. As much as desperately as the church needs a revival, we need an awakening that God's presence is so powerful, so rich, that people could be on their boat enjoying the sun as it's so tempting in this weather today, um, that even in that moment, God's spirit would be so powerful that they can't help escape and, and feel God speaking to them. And we've had great periods of great revivals in our nation's history, and we are due. When you look at our social conditions of even when the last other great awakenings occurred that rocked our planet, we were in all very certain, very similar situations. We are prime and seeing so many different uh, Aspects, whether it's Asbury or other, other instances at some other colleges where God is moving, we're seeing, I believe, the headwaters for a next great awakening. And Pastor Stacy and I are praying that as God places us, he would place us in a place that we could help steward that part in a region in an area where he wants to break out. And so watching your heart for prayer is what's causing us to also lean in today. And so much of what you'll hear, you're gonna, I hope you feel encouraged because you're gonna go, hey, we're doing that. Because a church that God blesses prays, but also watch what they prayed. They not only prayed together, it was a biblically centered prayer. Psalms 100 verse four says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. See, thanksgiving is for what God's done. Praise is for what and for who he is. And when we begin to celebrate that, and you see that in their prayer, verse 24, as they begin to pray, they said, oh, sovereign Lord, sovereign God, the God that holds everything in his hands. God, you control it all. And he goes on. 
you, God. You've made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. God, your power, let it be manifest. And their prayer goes on, verse 25. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their, their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. Rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. And they go on. In fact, this has happened in verse 27. This has happened here in every city. But notice at the end, verse 28. But everything they did, as they recounted even their last moments being thrown in prison and interrogated, but in everything they did, it was determined beforehand according to your will, O God. See, none of the events was catching God off guard. None of the events that you've experienced in, in the entire history of Calvary Church has ever caught God off guard. In your situations today, maybe some things that you might be experiencing just personally, just know our God is in control. When we begin to realize that aspect, it's easy to pray the third thing that they do. The third thing that they prayed was they prayed courageously. I mean, they, they began to pray bold prayers. Look at it in verse 29 through 30. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats. So see, they're walking in, they've been told, don't preach anymore. Don't heal people anymore. Don't cause any more commotions anymore. And yet, in spite of that, here's what they prayed. God, you heard their threats. <laughs> You've heard them. Give us, your servants, great boldness. In preaching your word, stretch out your hand. Healing power, may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of Jesus. Stretch out your hand. When we begin to pray for God to stretch out his hand, his blessing, see, it advances. It's just not to stay within. God's blessing and what he does in the four walls of this building in a service should never be built to contain it just for this moment here. He does his work so that you take it out there. You become springs of refreshing to people. So when you pray courageous prayers, watch, I mean, it's amazing. Bold prayers do not scare off God. He loves, he loves to answer them. And so the bolder, the more confident, the most, more outrageous in the sense of, okay, there's no way God could do this. You will watch God come through like never before. The fourth thing that they prayed was they prayed for God to continually fill them with the Holy Spirit. It just wasn't enough. We're talking, this is the same group who not too long ago were in an upper room praying for the Holy Spirit to come. And they didn't just depend on a one-moment experience. They needed God to continually fill them with the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and preached the word. So when the Holy Spirit came, it gave them power to preach. It gave them power to testify beyond what they may have ever been comfortable with in their own. They couldn't help but be compelled to do compelled to serve, compelled to love others. And to experience all God wants, I encourage you to lean in. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11, Jesus instructs us on this. He goes, ask if it will be given to you. He instructs on how to pray. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. See, asking 
in prayer humbles us. Prompting for God's guidance, his strength to come in, not our own. When we begin to seek through prayer, it gives us an intentional pursuit for God. Sensing deeper understanding of God, how you're working, your purposes, your plans that you have for us. Knocking is the persistency, the determination that God, I will not rest till I meet with you and we see an answer. When we begin to pray radically like that, God answers. Our prayer life is prophetic. Not pathetic. It's prophetic. Our prayer life really determines what God wants to do. We're standing today in a place because of prayers and faith of other generations for Calvary Church. We, we sit in chairs that are echoes from prayers long before where anything existed. The prayers we're praying today become basically reverberated into the future for the future generations. So if we, we need to pray courageously, we need to pray full of the Holy Spirit because when we pray boldly and with that confidence in the power that the Holy Spirit does in our life, the blessing that he will bring goes beyond the moment, will go generations into the future. 20 years from now, we should be celebrating. Being able to look back to see mountains moved that we never would have thought could have been done. But it all is built on being a church that prays. Secondly, I'm going to move along. Time's getting away. Second thing that God does when he, he blesses a church that's united. Look at it, verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that, they owned, that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. They were united in heart. The Greek word for there, if you bring it over, it actually is where we can get our English words of temperature. So they, their heart, they had the same passions, the same hot temperature of passions. They were united in that. They were united in their thinking and values. And this goes way deeper than just doctrine. There is not a selfishness or a backbiting. Their hearts bound together for God's purposes and God's promises. They set aside their personal preferences for the greater good. What does that type of unity look like? I'm not going to give you my opinion. Let's look at God's word. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 through 32 says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. So in other words, don't grieve the work of the Holy Spirit that he's already doing. Don't fight against it. Lean into it. It'll help you to be a, uni a united, unified church. And here's what's amazing about it. It goes on to say this, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away along with all malice. What I love about that is when you're going through bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, those are things that you process yourself, but malice begins to take it the next step where you're actually intentionally taking that to others. And so scripture's saying, don't do that, but to do this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, 
as God in Christ forgave you. Paul instructs the Ephesian church to lean in on what God, in the same way that God has forgiven you, in the same way God's given grace to you, in the same way he has loved you, love others. And that unity, when it is expressed, will transform a community, let alone a church. You'll have a community that when they see it, they not only notice it, but they'll see the absence of what it is in their life. And there's such a powerful anointing that occurs. Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3. How good and pleasant is when brothers live together in unity. It is like a precious oil poured out on their head, running down their beard, running down Aaron's, down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of the robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on the Mount of Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life, forevermore. It's interesting that the psalmist brings in how God's anointing from unity when people live together, and he likens it to a priestly anointing. Each one of us are ministers. Each one of us are carriers of a message of what Jesus has done in our life. If you follow Jesus, you are a message bearer. You are being anointed to bring hope, to show the life of Jesus. And unity, when we are in that same passion, in the same mindset, Lord, as you do this blessing in me, help me to give it to others. Help me to somehow communicate it, even if the most shy, introverted person can pray, God, just help me to let people see the light around me. The board in, this, in our process has been very open of where you've been at in this past season. In fact, that's part of what draws us here too. Stacy and our, I, both of our families have been marked from moments of where there's been some church conflict going on. My dad was on a church board because some church disagreements. Literally, I was in first grade, so I was very young. Maybe it was even kindergarten. My parents quit going to church. They would take me to Sunday school. They would take me to church. That was kind of, to me, I look back, it's still comical. They, one of them would drive me to church, drop me off, make the effort to come back, pick me up. They didn't forget me. <laughs> um, they would drop me off at Sunday school and then pick me up and... and and so my whole elementary life, uh, you know, it wasn't a pain to go to Sunday school, but it, you did have the questions like, why aren't you going? And why do I have to go? So church really was like vegetables. Who likes to eat vegetables? Why do I have to eat that? Um, church was like that for me too. And when I became a teenager, literally right before I went into seventh grade, I remember giving it to my parents on a Sunday going, why do I have to go? See, I hit teenage life. You know, it's like, you know, when the flip switched and immediately giving it back to my parents going, why do I have to go? If you don't go, I'll go if you go. 
immediately, I never had to worry about going to church. So that my entire middle school career didn't go to church. They totally backed off because of hurt. No one ever went and visited my parents. Fast forward, my brother comes to Christ at our AG church. So the, that church, my dad was on the board, was the Church of Christ. It wasn't the Assembly of God. My brother ends up becoming on the board. In fact, during that time, I, we saw at a revival, I was interning at my home church. We were at a revival at our church and watched my parents rededicate their life. It was a moment I was on that side, tears streaming down. I can look across the altar. My parents are kneeling, and my brother's holding my nephew, and we're just bawling because it's a day we never thought we'd see. That pastor that was there that I did my internship with ended up leaving. He had talked about wanting to hire me when I came out in North Central. And when they went to hire the next pastor, it didn't go well. Church went from 450 to 500 down to less than 100. My brother was seeing tons of their friends leave. In fact, it wasn't, the pastor wasn't too concerned until it was some of the big donors that started leaving. And that cut my brother to the heart. Going, what about the other 150 that left before them? So just know we have similar scars. What's great is there's better days. Watch my brother continue to grow. The sad thing is, and he'll probably be watching this, so sorry, bro. He's never, there's a call on my brother's life. He's never had the courage, or courage isn't the right word, in a place that I think he probably felt strong enough to even step into church leadership again. And it's been a loss for the church. That's why I admire your board. Former board members, I admire you. And I encourage you to do one other thing for me some point during the day. Would you see their spouses and let them know too that you appreciate them? Because as they've gone home, they didn't leave those pressures at home. But God blesses a church that goes after unity. See, unity is a spiritual activity, and it's just not for a defense. It puts you onto the offense. Unity, when a church is unified, it moves forward with power. And it becomes so attractive. Unity is a lot like if you have a sports team. It could, well, there's a lot of things. Businesses, you can notice a church or a business or a sports team when they've got momentum and when they don't. When they don't have momentum, it's totally invisible. You can't see it, but you know when it's not there and you can notice it when it is. And unity is very similar too. You can see it. You can feel it when it's there. You can feel it when it's not. And you need to know this is a word to be spoken over you. Your identity as a church is not rested in the seasons that you just went through. Whether individually or as a church, this does not need to define you. It's certainly not what God wants to define you. I've seen it in your character of how you pray. Seen it in other parts that we'll quickly get to. But you need to know God's best season for you is ahead. 
and I'm saying that not a part of me, it's part of what I can see in you, looked so forward to meeting you yesterday. And the graciousness, the warmth you've expressed was everything, everything and more that we expected because of us knowing you're bored, going, okay, if this is just a few, I can't wait to see the many. And you are amazing. And God's best story, and you've heard Pastor Jerry tell you every week, he'll tell you, it's not an original statement, but the best is always yet to come. When we have our hope, our faith fixed in God, he will help us to persevere even the most difficult moments. Because he's got a great future for us. And what's amazing is this platform of this season is not unnecessary. God will use this as a platform for the future. Our nation is so divided today on a much deeper way than you are as a church, trust me. How do we bring hope and health to a community? It's going to be only to those that have tasted some of that. And with empathy, reach out and love others. We can take this season and turn it to good. Romans 8, 28, he does all things to good for those that love him. It's a promise. Third, God blesses a church that preaches powerfully. Notice with me, verse 33, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them. Great blessing, mega blessing, mega power was upon them. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit. See, when the Holy Spirit comes on us, we will have no choice but to preach powerfully. My encouragement to you, I mean, that's why we love expository preaching. That's why we love preaching verse by verse. And I knew at some point I just wanted to be transparent, not preach a sermon that I've preached before that I just really know. And yeah, I can get some amens. Just wanted to be real. We love being able to break God's word. And just watch the depth of it come out. We can't wait for this season. Because when we talk about preaching God's word, it's just not, a, it, it's a message that, it's like even as we're developing it, it's a message that feeds us, not only you. It's what we live to. The, the messages, the things that we're going to learn, that's why, Stacy and I stand here today. We do, there's some leaders that would come into a transition and just say, forget the past. Got a great future ahead. That's not us. We'll stand on the shoulders of Pastor Tim, who stood on the shoulders of Pastor Goodrich, and we can keep going back and back. And we'll celebrate 100 years in four years. The history, we all stand and learn from the, the past and then move forward. Powerful messages that we can take from the past and move forward even in the new things that God will show us. We can't wait for that season. Fourth, and finally, the fourth thing that God blesses a church is a church that's generous. Look at it in verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own so they shared everything that they had. See, we've been blown away 
by your church's generosity. The stories that we've heard, even Friday night, we got to meet some of your ministry leaders, and I could hear stories Friday night, and I'm sitting there going, there it is again, generosity. Um, and I, even yesterday in conversations, I'd be asking, how long are you here at Calvary? What drew, what drew you here? Generosity. When we heard stories, I mean, I, that's why I, I marvel at you as a church. Because I can remember 20 years ago doing a mission service at your old building. And I can, uh, the courage and the faith it took and the generosity it took to totally relocate, in some ways, building-wise, you're starting over. It's exciting. It's fresh ground. You're not boxed in by the city. We can build. And it's amazing what you've built. I mean, I marveled as we came in on our interview, and I'm just the detail, like when we looked at the ceiling. Okay, I mean, for you guys, you're like, I never look at the ceiling. But to realize that this is, I mean, see, I love details. And to know that this is from wood that you guys cut down that was on this land. See, that, it's, it's the faith to possess the land that God's giving you. And I, I just look at that, and I just, what I see is not just lumber, I see faith. And the generosity, the sacrifice, not just of your finances, but your time that many of you did to do drywall, to do electrical. I mean, you are a talented church. My goodness. Um, that generosity drew us. When we heard of your generosity to a family member and you built a house, that was something we were talking about in our car ride home. I, I mean, it, there's not, you need to know the scope of this. There are very few churches that have ever reached that level of generosity. And I travel a lot. And when, and, and when I say level, it may not be dollar amounts compared to big churches. But when you talk sacrifice, it's off the charts. And you outweigh them. That spoke to us of the potential of what this church could be even beyond the great part that you already are. So as we, if we are afforded the privilege, I want to let you know this from the straight out at the beginning. As a pastor, we are more concerned about you as people than plans, than uh, ideas. Immediately, yesterday it was funny. I'd get questions, so what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What would you change? What do you think you change? <laughs> I love it. Um, it's, I would ask the same question too if I didn't know the person. But we want you to know one of the, for me, one of the leadership, every year I pick a word. Pick a word to grow spiritually and that's expectancy is my word. So that's why I had to add Matthew 7 into this sermon somehow and it fit in prayer is to be expectant, to ask, seek, knock, knowing God's going to do a work. He'll answer in his timing, his purposes. And the last part was this, was um, when, I, when I loved this season, blown away by the level of generosity that you guys possess. 
you are an amazing church. So many people, we, were, we are more drawn, and my leadership word has been shepherd. So I've been studying, what does a shepherd do? Leaving the 99 to go after the one. How do we, and what does that look like? And when you leave the 99, what does that mean to the 99? That they're less important? And a shepherd would never do that. He literally rounds the sheep up, gets them into his, protects them, provides for them, and then chases after the, the one. It's not one or the other, but it's really, they have a heart for both. And we want you to know, we are rolling into this season with a shepherd's heart. And you are, we are more concerned about people. We love learning all the different things, the way people serve and been a part of the church but even beyond of what you serve. We love you. And so these are the guideposts for the, for the future. What are we about? Where are we going? Let's be a church that prays. Let's be a church that's united with a passion, same heart, same values. Let's preach boldly God's word and not be afraid of it. You know, we see the Holy Spirit's work in this church demonstrably. We've loved the worship time today. Mm. Can't wait. But we continue to be generous beyond finances. It's people. How can we help people know Jesus better? See, that's the heart. When we love God with all of our heart, love people well, it all becomes focused. How can we help others know Jesus better? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Calvary. Thank you for this wonderful church. And Lord, we commit this day to you. I thank you for this church. The years that they supported us personally as a missionary when we served Wisconsin, Northern Michigan. Thank you for them. They carried us. Lord, I just pray your blessing upon this church. May you set your hand in a powerful way. May you bless this church in the days ahead in a powerful way. God, set your hand, set your power, set your presence in such a powerful way that it can only be attributed to you. Thank you for walking with this church throughout the generations but God, even more importantly, how you're going to walk with this in the generations to come. Thank you, God, for these people. We pray that you will speak and anoint them for the season ahead. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.